Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And good morning, Dirt Radio. That's us. John Langer's my name. Dirt Radio is sponsored by Friends of the Earth Melbourne, and you can check it all out at foe.org.au. Lots happening these days, and uh, get on their website. This week, we're heading upriver and downriver, the Arrow River to be precise. More and more people in Melbourne, I think, are thinking about the Arrow River as an invaluable environmental asset and a centerpiece for Melbourne as an expanding urban landscape. And this could be in no small part, I would say, as the result of the ongoing work of the Yarra Riverkeeper. He's Andrew Kelly, and he's here with Dirt Radio to talk about how that ecosystem we know as the Yarra is actually a fragile living thing that requires careful attention and long-term planning. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, John. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm really well, thanks. Off your off the boat. Off the boat, unfortunately. Right. And uh, just to start with, I just wanted to ask you, what's the traditional Wurrung language name for the river that we know as the Yarra? Uh, the traditional name is Birrung, which means the river of mists and shadows. And it was a misunderstanding by uh, Charles Grimes who asked a Wurrung man what the name of the river was. And the man replied, I think they're down near the falls. And he was saying, it flows, it flows, yarra, yarra. Uh, so, in fact, um, that was where the name came from, this misunderstanding. Flows could mean hair, in fact, flowing hair, as much as flowing water. So you might say that if we're saying the Yarra River, it's the Hairy River. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that's that's terrific. Now, another, look, very basic question, but something that maybe people don't know about the river keeper and the Yarra River Keeper. What does a river keeper do? Uh, we speak for the river and we educate about the river. So my job is to keep uh, the river to the forefront of the minds of people in the Yarra catchment uh, in the city of Melbourne and the Yarra Valley and remind them of how important that river is to all of us here and how important it is to keep it healthy. Now, your work takes you, as I understand it, to all parts of the river, from right from Port Phillip Bay all the way up to the Yarra Ranges, and it's the upper reaches of the Yarra River at the moment that's causing a few issues. I, I just wanted to ask you what, in br- briefly, broadly, what's going on up there? Uh, thanks, John. The issue, there's two connected issues. One is about uh, a property called Haining Farm, which is run by Parks Victoria, And the other one is about the uh, Crown grazing licences along the waterways in the northeast corner of what's called the Yellingbow Conservation Corridor. And the Yellingbow Conservation Corridor came out of a realisation that if we were to protect our state faunal symbols, which is the endangered 
helmeted honey eater and the endangered uh, lowland leadbeater possum, we actually had to find more habitat for them. And the challenge there is the animals like the same sort of habitat that, that we like for our farms, so much of that habitat was already cleared. So there wasn't a whole lot of crown land around in which to create habitat for these two uh, amazing creatures. And there was a decision made way back in 2010 for, for VIAC to make a study and come up with a solution to connecting smaller parcels of crown land together to create uh, migratory corridors and habitat for these two creatures. And that started way back in 2010, as I just said, but it, it went on for some time. And it was started, I think, by Labor government and was finally approved by Ryan Smith as uh, Minister for the Environment under a Liberal government. So it really had strong support from both sides. Uh, and part of it was is that there are a number of properties along the river, some of which have grazing licence, some of which actually just use the Crown land on the river uh, for their own purposes. So when the decision was made to turn those Crown licences into riparian conservation licences... Um, and to uh, fence off the river so cattle don't go into the river because we really don't want mm, cattle mm, pooing mm, in our, into our mm, water supply mm. and our water supply comes out of the Yarra. Um, there was quite a bit of kickback from uh, those people who had a vested interest in retaining their rights uh, to the waterway at the expense, I think, of the broader community. Mm, mm. And uh, it, it, we're, we're talking about... Um an area, where, give us a, a few places where, where we can identify... Our launching place. So it's a little bit north of Yellingbow, uh, the Don Valley uh, launching place up in that section of the Yarra River. So the, the river takes a bit of a loop there and heads down south uh, from Hillsville. And essentially what, what's being asked is that the people using the river frontage for grazing and their cattle and also for other things need to, in a sense, uh, give over to conservation and environmental concerns, sustainability. Yes. So this Haining Farm, which is a property in that area that's managed um, by Parks Victoria, it has been in the past a model dairy farm. That's increasingly expensive to run. So there's a desire to uh, manage it in a more effective way in terms of costs and also to create a whole... um, area of habitat for these two creatures along the waterways. The plan is not to turn it all into habitat, but to have public access there. And the two issues are really connected because they're both about creating habitat. And there's been quite a bit of kickback from some people in the local community uh, about this. They don't want any more habitation, any more habitat, sorry, any more revegetation. Um, one of their arguments is that uh, it's a fire risk. Um, the studies have been done by the department. Uh, by including uh, Kevin Tolhurst at the University of Melbourne, who's considered the foremost expert on fire. And his assessment of Haining Farm is that there is no increase in fire risk if habitat is added. In fact, potentially the way it's being designed, it would reduce fire risk, potentially. So I think they're running the fire argument as a bit of a Trojan horse to say... um, they would be saying that, that revegetating would create a fire hazard. Is that, is that basically or is that too simple, simple a way of thinking? No, that's what they're saying. But fire usually starts in farmland. It usually runs much faster through grass. 
and typically, not always, but typically riverine vegetation, which is much wetter and damper than most vegetation, slows fires and gives firefighters a chance mm. to put the fire out. So it's actually, in, in most cases, not absolutely all cases, riverine vegetation is a benefit in terms of managing fires. And how, how are these, um, how's the pushback against the plan? How, how's it operating? Are they having community meetings or what, what is it, just a few very uh, strong voices? How does it work? Well, I'd have to uh, take my hat off to them in a political sense. They've run a very effective campaign. They've got a, a website. Um, they've formed themselves up to be the Yarra Waterways Group. I understand from local reports there's pretty fierce con- a fierce experience locally if you don't agree with them. They're putting a lot of pressure on local people, yet quite a few local people have stood up and said, look, we just don't agree with this. We agree with the conservation. Uh, Many people who actually have been in the valley for a long time, who are actively involved or had uh, parents and grandparents involved Mm. in the CFA, are saying, look, we just don't agree with the sort of analysis that's being put forward about the fire, and we think the vegetation and protecting the animals is a much better solution. So it's by no means unanimous, although that's how they portray them cells to be, mm. that they're a unanimous local voice. I, I think there's quite a lot of scare tactics happening, um, and I think you can't ignore the fact that it is driven by a particular interest that these mm. uh, people mm. have. I think a lot of them are good people. I'm not kind of bagging them. I understand no. their concerns. But it is Crown land. It is land that belongs to the people of Victoria, and it's up to us to choose how that land is to be managed. It's licensed land. It's not equivalent to kind of a public acquisition, which, you know, we accept for freeways these mm, days. Mm, mm. It's just only been a licence. And, and quite a number of those people, in fact, don't even have licences. They just use the water, water right. the riverine corridor. And uh, my understanding is there have been submissions that have been called for, and uh, the closing date was in December last year. Uh, what, what's, what happens now? Or are there subsequent submissions being made? Uh, there's no subsequent submissions being made in terms of Haining Farm. Uh, my understanding is that a number of proposals were put forward. Uh, it was used, the, the government has the Engage Victoria site, which really engages the community broadly in making decisions, and it was unanimously the conservation, the one with the strongest conservation values was the one that was unanimously, well, not unanimously, sorry, but by a very significant majority approved and it was a very actively supported um, vote, if you like, Mm, on mm. Engage Victoria. So the Minister's now adopted that and I'd certainly like to thank Minister D'Ambrosio for backing the Haining Farm project and concept plan because I do think it's important. I mean, the, the risk at the moment with both those species is that one fairly small fire could wipe them out entirely mm, and they'd vanish. Mm, mm. And if uh, if people want to contribute at this point, or pe- people listening or, or others, can can they make some kind of a, uh, an intervention at this point? Or is it is it pretty much finished at, uh, in terms of debating and, and policy making? Uh, no, really good question, John. The first thing I do is to email Minister D'Ambrosia and indicate your support for the final concept plan, uh, your support for her decisions. Um, I'd ask her, uh, the, the two things are linked because uh, there's Haining Farm and then there's the there's been a 10 metre limit temporarily induced, introduced along the Yarra in that corner and we'd like to see that withdrawn because it doesn't kind of make any sense really in terms of stream flow management programs. Uh, we've, and so I'd also write to her and say, please, back Haining Farm, 
and please withdraw the 10 metre limit along the waterways. Please convert the licences as the V8 plan intended into conservation licences and do support that with funding through Parks Victoria to ensure that everything happens as it should. So... Yes, and uh, we can we can provide on our Facebook page, and when we put up the podcast of this show, we can provide some details where people can actually go as well. Is it, would that be right? Is that that's right? Yes, and also, of course, people can use their own social media, uh, right in support of the helmeted honey eater and the leadbeater possum, and uh, include um, the uh, hashtag. Is it hashtag? Yes, hashtag yes. for the minister at Lily D'Ambrosia MP and show that you're supporting what she does. It sounds like a re- actually really important initiative and uh, something, If, as I said right at the very beginning, if we're thinking about the Yarra River as a, an, a living ecosystem where all the parts are interconnected, it clearly has a lot to do with that. That's right, John. We'll take a break and get back with Andrew Kelly. He's the Yarra River Keeper. Hi, I'm Hannah Smiley from WA. When I'm in Melbourne, I listen to 3CR 855 AM Community Radio. You can listen on your digital radio or stream it live and subscribe at 3cr.org.au. Forty-five Downstairs and Future Leaders are inviting submissions from emerging Australian visual artists for the Emerging Artist Award 2018. From cutting-edge artistic practices to new takes on traditional styles, selected works will be exhibited at 45 Downstairs Gallery in June. A special guest judge will award prize money to the two artworks that best demonstrate originality and innovation. Submissions close on Monday the 21st of May. For more information, visit 45downstairs.com. A 3CR supporter. You're with Dirt Radio, and today we've got a special guest, Andrew Kelly. He's the Yarra River Keeper, and uh, Andrew, you've been incredibly busy. You're going up the river, down the river, obviously keeping an eye on all kinds of things. Something called the Yarra River Blitz. Tell us about that. Well, that's a really exciting initiative that we've been doing in partnership with the Clean Water Group from Coolum in Queensland and Ocean Crusaders uh, from Brisbane. So we uh, initiated through funding from Melbourne Water, actually, seed funding from Melbourne Water. Without them, it wouldn't have happened. So we um, initiated a a blitz on the river in terms of the reed beds. So the reed beds are quite common above Swan Street in the river. Uh, They run up to, you know, up towards the Johnson Street Bridge. And they are very effective natural litter traps. So they trap the litter. But the problem is nobody cleans them out. So the litter just builds up. And one of the worst criminals in terms of pollutants in the river is polystyrene. So <laughs> that was just what I was going to say. <laughs> Those damn plastic bottles and bags. Absolutely. The bottles, the bags, and the polystyrene. So the polystyrene just breaks down. The bottles deteriorate. Eventually, all plastic breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces. So you end up with a microplastics problem. So our initiative was to, through clean water groups technology to vacuum the reed beds so they had a i hope i've got this right a high pressure low volume uh hose uh, Mm. looked like a caterpillar and they were vacuuming up the the waste including the bottles including the bags and all those tiny little bits of styrene that are impossible to pick up by hand wow so it must be a huge machine that does this is that right it's a fair size vacuum yeah 
And you have a fair number of people involved in this, or how does it work? Yeah, so we uh, collectively had, I think, um, well, so what, what we counted the rubbish. We, we, once we'd picked it up, uh, we brought bags back to uh, the powerhouse and Wesley Landing there, and we counted the rubbish, and we count, separated into uh, things like the sushi fish, the ubiquitous little sushi fish. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, lo- the sushi fish. Yeah. The thing they give you, the little thing that has the soy sauce in it. Absolutely. Oh, my. Lots of those. Oh, my goodness. Lots of needles. So oh. over 200 needles. Oh. Uh, lots of coffee cups. Um, bits of cars, oddly. Maybe not so oh, oddly. Oh, look, no, not so <laughs> oddly. Uh, I, I have to tell you just a little anecdote to Aside, I live not too far from Mary Creek, and uh, they used to, before it was revegetated and remediated, as it were, um, you used to go down there on the weekend or Monday, and you would find a car driven into the actually driven into the creek. Um, those were the days. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's a was an oil spill yesterday on Mary Creek, uh, right there at the mouth where the air is. Um, So they had booms out last night to contain it. I'm not sure where it came from. Yeah, right. And this is the second oil spill that's been here in the last, you know, few months. It's been a very major spill at Walmart Street. I haven't heard what's happened to the person who people who are responsible for that spill, and I don't know whether they've managed to identify who's responsible for the one that happened yesterday. Oh wow! The the thing this is a this is a a totally other show, of course, is um, a question of what happens to the waste. Once it is get once it's collected, because the Chinese aren't buying it anymore, and so we've got. I mean, that's a that's a, a whole other issue. But certainly, what you're saying about collecting the stuff and masses amounts of it, and is this is the blitz? Is it something which is planned for? I, I guess you're thinking this this is we happen happen to do it this year. Will it happen again for the following year, or does it have to be? have to apply for grants and all do that kind of stuff as well? We're applying for grants. So, um, yeah, I think it'll happen again. Yeah. We've got a few things to work out, of course. Sure. Um, and I would like to uh, acknowledge, actually, the person who did a huge amount of work on this, which is the Yarra River Keeper Education Officer, Nikki, Dr. Nikki Kowalczyk, who did an amazing job to pull it together so mm. quickly in such a short period of time. It's a big undertaking to organise such an event on the river. There's a lot of permits you require, a lot yes. of hoops you've got to jump through. Yes. So uh, Nikki was hard at work doing that. And look, there's something else I just want to touch on because it, it does fit with all of the things you've talked about so far is the Yarra River Protection Act. And that's something that happened last year, um, late last year. Tell us about that because I think that has a very important part to play in how the Yarra will maintain itself as an ecosystem. Well, that's a really, really exciting initiative, John. So the Yarra River Protection, Wilupgin Birrarung Moron Act, uh, the Wairarung words mean keep the Birrarung alive. And one aspect, but only perhaps one aspect, but a really exciting aspect is that this is uh, very much including uh, the Wurundjeri Tribal Land Council in management of the waterway. So one thing the Act does is to establish the Birrarung Council and uh, I would be hopeful of being on that council. Who knows? Um, but I certainly know that there will be two or three um, Wurundjeri elders on the council representing caring for country. And what's exciting about that is, you know, 65% of Indigenous Australians live in urban centres and this is an urban initiative. So this is about caring for country in an urban 
setting. And I think that's a really exciting initiative. Of course, uh, Wurundjeri's territory runs all the way up to the source at Mount Borbor, and they have interests, and mm. it's their mm. river mm. Mm. for the whole way. Yes. But a lot of the challenges happen in the urban section. Mm. Mm. And uh, also, I, I guess what you're saying is that, that the, the, um, in, the traditional owners have a lot of say in what's what's going on and in fact the title itself the title of the act is has has the language traditional language in it yes and the uh preamble's written in both english and woiwurrung so that's exciting and there was the act includes uh developing a community vision and certainly the Wurundjeri were deep, deeply involved in that that was run by melbourne water as lead agency so melbourne water's had a lot of involvement in this whole process mm. and they're currently uh, doing a Yarra strategic plan. Uh, so there's a draft community vision and that will inform the Yarra strategic plan which Melbourne Water is doing a, a terrific job of pulling together and scoping and working out exactly what that plan will be. And that plan, will it be made public so the community can make comments on it and uh, as it eventually gets released? That's my understanding, yes. That uh, will be really terrific, actually. That's, that's another thing that's a very positive thing to do. Let's move on to, I guess, some of the challenges that you're facing, say, in the next little while. What's, what's looming up for you in terms of your work? Oh, well... Um can you, can you reveal? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly involvement in the Yarra Strategic Plan is a key thing that we're working on at the moment. Uh, I've never spent a lot of time reading legislation, but I have spent quite a lot of time recently reading the Yarra of Protection, Willow again, Birurung Moron Act, and it's hard work reading legislation. Sure. You know, it sends you from Section yep. you know, 59C to Section yep. 49D yep. and then back to yes, yes. another part of Section and if 59. And if you don't fall asleep between <laughs> Section C and D... You're doing okay. <laughs> exactly, John. So there's that, that big piece of work. We've got the Healthy Waterways Strategy, which is a catchment-wide initiative uh, that's currently undergoing a refresh with Melbourne Water. So that's a big initiative. And that takes a kind of broader picture, the whole catchment, where the Yarra Strategic Plan is focused on the main stem of the river, uh, a kilometre on either side mm-hmm. of the river, and whatever else we can add to that that's appropriate. Um, we are always... One of the we always have ongoing issues. One of the issues at the moment that came out of the era of blitz was the O bikes. Uh, we picked up seventy six O bikes out of the river. Oh my goodness! No, wow, is uh, that so? That's amazing. <laughs> I've actually, again, just just to be a bit conversational here, I've noticed the O bikes have disappeared from the streets. I think they're they're, they're a dead end. Essentially, I think they've all ended up in the era. Um, I don't see people using them or around the streets anymore. So maybe that's, that's they've decided decided that 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 initiative just doesn't work in Melbourne. Well, we shall see. I don't think it's appropriate to throw the bikes in the river. Absolutely not. Such a waste of resources. But once they're there, they they will eventually rot. Mm-hmm. And when they rot, they'll release a lot of toxins into the waterway. Yes, if you've got seventy six of them, and we that's only a small portion of what I believe is actually there. That'll have an impact on the health of the waterways. Yes. It's been terrific talking to you, Andrew. Uh, I wish we had a bit more time, but uh, look, we've got a a special track to play, and uh, so we're going to round it up. And uh, I just wanted to ask you if people want to find out a bit more about the Yarra Riverkeeper, about the Yarra, is there a place that they can go to get more information? We have a website, yarrariver.org.au, and all the information is there. And do join. Join the association. 
Okay, so there's an opportunity to join as well. There is. Terrific. I've been speaking with Andrew Kelly, and he's been in the studio. He's the Yarrow River Keeper, and uh, he opened his portfolio, as you heard, to talk about some of the work that he's been doing and give you an idea of the challenges and accomplishments taking place all along the river in Melbourne that we know as the Yarra, but increasingly known as? The Virang. Right. And... uh, the website, uh, we'll put the details up on our Facebook page, on the Dirt Radio Facebook page. That's it for us another week. And thanks so much to Andrew Kelly. If you're going to go um, do anything around in the next few days, go to the FO website. There's lots happening, campaigning coming up in relation to this state election in November. Lots and lots of information there. So it's fo.org.au. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9.30.